Oh, thank you. Good morning, online community. Uh, this Wednesday night, uh, we are going to have a workshop called What I Wish My Parents Knew. This started uh, over 10 years ago. I went to the uh, high school, Poway High School, and asked to talk with the principal, uh, representing a number of churches in the regions. We have a relational network of senior pastors in the area. We've, we've been praying together for over 25 years. And, uh, and so I went to the high school principal and said, how can the churches serve you? And he thought we were like wanting something from him because everybody wants a pound of flesh from uh, a high school principal, right? And so it took three meetings for him to trust us, the churches, that we were here to serve. And um, it was a very interesting conversation. Uh, The first, um, I asked him this question when I realized that there was a blockage there. I said, let me ask you a question. How does the public school system view the churches? And he said, you really want to know? And I said, yeah. He said, you guys are a pain in the butt. I said, really? And he got defensive. I said, no, 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 no. I really want to understand why, because that's not the reputation we want to have. And so we got to talking about the things that we do that we think are helping. There's a book called When Helping Hurts. Sometimes you think you're helping and uh, you're not, and you're creating more problems than good. So he explained these things. And then I said, okay, do you want to know how the churches view the public school system? I said, we're just, we're talking perceptions, right? And I said, you guys, you guys don't like God. And he said, that is not true. I said, I'm just telling you perceptions. We got to talking, and out of that came this collaboration that was just organic, where we, we all agreed that our uh, middle schoolers and high schoolers are um, exhibiting behaviors of self-harm, harming others, uh, creating depression, anxiety, suicide ideation, actual suicides, uh, drug issues, alcohol issues, high anxiety, depression. And so we collaborated and said, why don't we ask the youth what they're really struggling with? And we got this raw data back. We did man on the streets, the high school principals around the campuses asking, what's your high stress points? What's really going on in your life? If you could tell your parents uh, anything, what would you tell them? And I did the same thing. I, I sent the uh, survey out to the youth groups, and we got this raw data back. It just shocked us what kids are really dealing with. And so we developed six workshops. We called it What I Wish My Parents Knew. We've had over 6,000 parents go through these workshops, and with overwhelming positive responses. People from other states have called and said, how are you guys doing what you're doing? It's gone to the capital, Sacramento. Um, and put some things into legislation. And so anyway, this Wednesday night, if you have uh, kids that are in sixth grade uh, through 12th grade, you want to come. I do a workshop on social media. Shelley does the most popular workshop on communication. We have workshops on um, academic pressure, depression, suicide, drugs, alcohol. Um, You can go to two workshops in one evening. And so that will be this Wednesday night. It would be great to have you here. So... This morning, we're going to start a brand new series simply called Gratitude. I already got one. I already got one. I'm going to preach over here all day long. I'm going to preach right here to my amen front row. And we are calling the leadership of the church, and I pray that you will join us, are calling the month of November Gratitude Month. Why wait till Thanksgiving Day to sit around the table and say what you're thankful for and then going back to being negative the next day, okay? 
We want to change thought patterns all month long so that our minds are more godly than they are right now. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now, I want to start with some scientific research to show you the power that researchers have found that gratitude has on our hearts, our minds, and our physical bodies. All right? Check this out. A review of 70 studies that include responses from more than 26,000 people found there is a direct association between higher levels of gratitude and lower levels of depression, lessened anxiety, lower heart rate, greater heart health, lowered stress levels, improved sleep. How many could use some of that? Higher self-esteem, strong social relationships, and higher satisfaction in life. The Mayo Clinic says this, quote, expressing gratitude is associated with a host of mental and physical benefits. Studies have shown that feeling thankful can improve sleep, mood, and immunity. Gratitude can decrease depression, anxiety, difficulties with chronic pain, and risk of disease. That's the Mayo Clinic. Did you know that gratitude actually changes your biology? Being positive and communicating appreciation to others and showing kindness and choosing to see the good in things, choosing, turn to your neighbor and say, choosing to see the good in things. Go ahead, tell your neighbor, choosing. Okay, turn to your other neighbor and say, you got to choose or you're going to lose. Go ahead, you got to choose or you're going to lose. Choosing to see the good in things actually, look, listen, releases oxytocin, a hormone that helps connect people. Some call it the love hormone. <laughs> Gratitude can also boost your neurotransmitter serotonin. Isn't that incredible? Being thankful actually releases serotonin in your body and activates the brainstem that produces dopamine, our brain's pleasure chemical. Now check this out. Some more biology for you. Being grateful actually initiates the parasympathetic nervous system. It activates it. Being thankful activates it. The part of your nervous system that helps you rest and digest. Stress, on the other hand, triggers fight or flight response in your nervous system. It causes your heart to beat faster, your muscles to contract, and your adrenaline pumps. See, the problem is our brains are designed to problem solve, not appreciate. This means we have to be intentional about being thankful. Now, that sounds like work, doesn't it? It is. But it's work worth doing. And it doesn't happen overnight. These studies I just quoted to you were based on people who chose to make being grateful a habit. Once it becomes a habit, you literally begin to change your biology. That's why we're calling this month Gratitude Month. I want us, I'm going to give you some practicals at the very end of this message to do. I've already started doing them. So you guys have been negative for the last five days. I've been positive. So I'm way ahead of you now. It's November 5th. So there's been five days of negativity and, and criticalism and, and judgmentalism and self-hate and hating others. And because you've had enough of that, we're going to. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna turn the ship around. 
And you say, well, you know, I don't think this is possible. I don't know. I can't, I can't like be thankful every day, all day long. Okay, well, let me ask this question. How much time have you spent being critical and negative over the last five days? Come on, judging others. How many times have you thought, what an idiot? What a moron. I'm stupid, right? I can't do this. Everything's going to hell in a handbasket, right? Think about, see, it's so natural to be negative. Just do nothing. And you're just going to flow down this negative river because life's hard and people are lovely. (laughs) And it's so easy to let your mind go down negative paths. Did you know that they've actually proven that your thought patterns create uh, neurological paths in your brain? It's like a well-worn path in a jungle. It's like changing your thought patterns, or first, having thought patterns is like if you were to, let's say you're part of a village in, in, in the Amazon, and you have carved out a path to the river, and it's been, you've walked that path for generations. That's the path to the river. And then a research team comes, and they want to uh, they, they study your village. And so they bring a helicopter, and they take one of the villagers up into a helicopter, and they look over the village. And one of the natives sees the path that they've been using is a the long way to the river and not to the best part of the river. And they see if you just took a left right there, boom, you could get to the river so much faster and the water is fresher and cleaner. And then you get back down on the ground and now he's got some work to do, huh? And so you get out your machete and you go down that path you've been going down, and then you take a hard left. And that's what I want us to do today is take a hard left. And you get your machete out, and you start cutting down this path. It's hard work. You want to give up. It'd be so much easier to say, I, this is too hard. I'm just going to go back down this path. It's a long way, and the water's not as sweet and not as clean. And... But you finally cut that path. You finally cut that path, and you make it to the river much faster. Then you try to go get everybody else to come with you. That's what I'm doing today. And you're like, no, it's a lot easier to be negative. You know, you just enjoy being negative. You become a complainer. It's so much easier just to complain. It's a lot harder. But here's what I found. Whenever you hear a biblical truth like this, like faith, and you buy into it, you learn what faith is. You learn how to get more faith. You start living by faith. You start to now feel how much unbelief you were living in before because you've tasted of faith or love i'm gonna love i heard a message on love i now have my heart filled with the love of god i'm gonna choose to love and you start loving and then you realize oh my gosh i used to be much more of a hater than i realized i was it's like when you're physically sick for a long time and then you get well and you feel health again right then you i mean you can get used to being sick it just becomes part of who you are right you just buy into it it becomes your identity You get well, and you're like, wow, I didn't realize how sick I was because you feel health. This is the same way it is between negativity and positivity. Once you choose to start being a thankful person, you're going to realize what a grump you were. Thank you. It's like me. I'm going on a 9,000-foot hike with my daughters. It's an annual thing we do. We haven't hit every year, but it's a 9,000-foot hike up in Ottawa up 
up uh, the up a uh, what's it called talk with peace. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna do that in a couple of weeks, Thanksgiving weekend. I'm in trouble. I haven't worked out in over a year. So I put a backpack on with a 20-pound bag of sand in it. And I'm walking every day, and I'm doing lunges and squats down the airport road. It's going like this. I don't care what it looks like because I don't want to get life flighted off the mountain in a couple of weeks. And as I'm getting stronger and healthier, I'm realizing how out of shape I was. Some of you got to get your stinking thinking out and get some positive thinking in to your life. And you're going to start experiencing some psychological, uh, emotional, physical, spiritual, even relational results from choosing to be positive over negative. Now, some of you right now are thinking, this is psychobabble. I came to church to hear a sermon from the Bible. Do you know, this, this always surprises me, Agatha, how many Christians think that psychology is unspiritual. But all it is is the study of your mind that God created. And he says to worship him with all your heart, soul, mind. You're not worshiping God with your mind when you're criticizing your neighbor, when you're criticizing yourself, when you're shaming and blaming, when you're complaining. That's not worshiping God with your mind. You know, the Bible says, be transformed by the removal of your mind. Do you know the Bible says that? What? Did I misquote that? Oh, what's it actually say? Oh, renewal of your mind. What did I say? Be transformed literally into the image of Christ by the renewal of your mind. The renewal process is creating new neurological pathways in your brain. God says, the Bible says, to be renewed, the book of Ephesians, in the spirit of your mind. Second Corinthians says, in spiritual warfare context, cast down every thought that is contrary to God's thoughts. Mm, that's enough right there. That's enough. Close my laptop and let's pray for deliverance. Now, God got me first. This is how this works. God gets me, then I come and get you, okay? So I became such a negative. I'm, I'm like one of the eternal optimists. It's kind of annoying, so, to my pessimist friends, right? Pessimists, optimists are annoying. But look, you're no fun either. <laughs> Nobody wants to invite you to the party, the, the pessimist, that is. I became so negative. One day I was driving in the car and I had Elliot and Bella in the back seat and, and they were younger and, and uh, Bella said, hey dad, this was, okay, I'm 60 now, so this was uh, about 13 years ago. You're going to be 50 in just a few years. And I said, yeah, 50-year-old failure. Yeah, because life, the things, you know, life's disappointing. Anybody had any disappointments in life? And you get to that middle age, and that's why you buy the sports car and go, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you just, you just, you have these dreams, you have these hopes, you have these goals, you're not going to hit them all. And what do you do with that disappointment? Here's your dream, here's your reality. That gap right there determines your life. And that gap is about your mental state. What are you going to do with that gap? I wasn't doing well with that gap. In fact, I'm writing a book right now, and one chapter is on the gap. 
What do you do with disappointment in your life? I was letting it tank me. It was sucking me under. And hope, I said, yeah, a 50-year-old failure. And hope slammed her, my precious Southern Belle, gentle hope, punched the dashboard and said, we're not living like this anymore. I was like, whoo, mama. <laughs> I mean, that's, whoo, Mufasa. I was, whoo. I knew she would. I said, I said, I'm just kidding. She goes, no, you're not. She said, either you change or make a change because we're not living like this anymore. The, the lady's like, yeah, yeah. I am a woman and I roar. I felt the roar, bro. I'm telling you what. I was like, I don't want to experience that more than once in my marriage. I don't, have to, I don't even want to experience it once, but I did. And so I knew I was in trouble because changing yourself, I mean, how many of you tried to change yourself? You tried to change your personality, tried to change your habits, tried to change, right? It, man, it's a challenge. Changing my, my, my career path or whatever, you know, just changing your life, that gave me anxiety. Thinking about changing myself gave me anxiety. So I know what to do. Go get alone with God. So I went to uh, Coronado Island. And I got a little hotel room, and I was, no, I didn't. I went to uh, the Papavas. Mary and Jim let me use their guest home. That's right. That's right. And I sat in a, your big fat leather chair, and I watched football Amen. for an entire day and ate pizza. <laughs> I was a, no, yeah. <laughs> I was avoiding the issue. Anybody ever avoided issues in your life? I was, I avoided the issue for almost the entire two days. And I kept thinking, I'm going to be in bigger trouble when I get home because I have solved nothing. I finally thought, I better get down to business. So I do what I do. I got a legal pad, a blank legal pad, a pen, and I sat in a big fat leather chair and I just got quiet. And I said, God, just say to me whatever you want to say and I will do whatever you want me to do. And he said, let's start with thankfulness and go from there. Huh. Brian, I wasn't expecting that for a man on the moon, man. I, that, was, that came out of God. It changed me at the core of my being. I began, from that day to this day, I... I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm always Mr. Positive and always thankful and don't get grumpy. Just ask my kids. But stop. Don't say anything. Okay. The cameraman back there happens to be one of my kids. And, but I am I'm shocked at how I am thankful for the tiniest things. That, that, that voice changed me. And when I get, started getting negative, I remember, whoa, don't want to go down that path. And I purposely changed my thoughts to think positive. Now, look, this isn't denial of hard things. That, that's not what I'm talking about. Everyone can choose how they're going to view a situation. There is negative in situations, but you can find positives too if you choose to. Turn to your neighbor and say again, if you don't choose, you're going to lose. Go ahead, tell them. If you don't choose, you're going to lose. Now, on the topic of thankfulness... Again, to talk about this, the Bible's replete with this. 
Do you think God knows how he wired us, how he made us? Do you think he knows what gratitude does versus complaining and being negative? Certainly he does. He knows that negativity is very bad for our system, very bad for our mind, our emotions, our self-worth, our relationships, all that. So in the Bible, there are 299 verses on thankfulness and gratitude. Here are just 30 of them. You're going to see this on the screen. I want you to do something at church that no pastor will ask you to do. Get your phones out. I want you to take a snapshot of this screen right here. Would you do this? Take a snapshot of the screen online. If you just get your phone out and just snapshot this screen or take a screenshot. Okay. These are 30 scriptures on gratefulness, gratitude, or things to be grateful or grateful for. I'm going to get out of the way here just for a second. I'm sorry I'm off camera, but you don't need me right now. You need the screen. So make sure that the people online are seeing the screen. All right, take that snapshot. Now, look up those scriptures and begin to renew your mind with the Word of God. Now, I want to pull one of these scriptures out, and I want to unpack it with you real quick, okay? One of these scriptures, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 9. Now, right before I read this, can you take that off the screen real quick? Right before I read this scripture, I want to tell you who wrote this. The Apostle Paul wrote this while he was in prison this letter he wrote to the church at philippi he wrote from prison he was unjustly imprisoned he experienced injustice abandonment from all of his friends he was whipped and beat with rods his back bleeding he says that he was left without food left without clothing left without shelter shipwrecked three times he had gone through hell and all he was doing was serving god and he writes a letter on thankfulness from prison he learned a thing or two and so this is what he wrote don't worry about anything isn't that profound instead pray about everything so it's a process here Tell God what you need, and then we usually stop there. But what's this little catchphrase? Say it out loud. That little phrase right there is the kicker. You see, we, we worry about everything, and we don't pray about anything until it's the last end result. Well, we might as well pray about it. we got to flip that around. Don't worry about anything. How? pray about everything tell god what you need you say well doesn't he already know what i need yes but he wants interaction he wants a relationship he wants you to pour out your heart to him as you're pouring out your heart to him he's listening to you and then he'll talk back to you he'll respond to you and you have this exchange going on and in that exchange don't just focus on what you don't have Thank him for what he has, see the past tense, has already done. And then the next word in the scripture is then. Everybody say then. Then, then you will experience God's peace. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a wow. Which exceeds anything we can understand. It's like, how do I have peace right now? Nothing in my life is going right. Where does this peace come from? Well, you were thanking God for what he has done in the past. And you're fixing your mind on that. Find things to be thankful for. 
One of the application points, I'm going to jump ahead. Don't, don't, uh, don't go ahead on the screens. I'm just going to tell you what I'm doing. And it's what I'm going to ask you to do. When I wake up in the morning, I've been doing this for the last five days, which is why I'm way ahead of you right now. I wake up in the morning and I think of five things or people I'm thankful for. And I just let it roll off my lips. It's amazing. In the middle of the day, when you find yourself thinking negative, turn, think positive. And the third thing at night, and I'm doing this, when you go to bed and you lay there, think about God's faithfulness throughout the day. What went well today? And what am I thankful for? It literally, studies show if you do that, you will get much better sleep because it reduces your heart rate and it uh, releases serotonin. Don't worry about anything. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that uh, we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts. Look at this. This is physiological. His peace, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Say it out loud. Say these three words out loud. Come on, church, say it out loud. Fix your thoughts on what is false, what is dishonorable, what is wrong, what is impure, what is unlovely, what is not admirable. Think, <laughs> think about things that are terrible, bad, and crude and unworthy of praise. Aren't you glad you came today to get this little spanking? Okay, let's, let's read what it says. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure. See, it's not easy to do. You've got to choose to do this. What is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice, keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then, everybody say then, the God of peace will be with you. In this same book, the Apostle Paul, the, you know the scripture that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? We see Philippians 4.13 on athletes, you know, cheeks, or you see the bumper stickers, you see it, you know, uh, online, you see, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's put it into context. This was written from Paul, from prison, when he had been unjustly imprisoned and beaten and rejected and abandoned. He had every reason to be negative and complaining and... His future wasn't bright. He knew he was going to be martyred. They were going to murder him, and he knew it. And he writes this. I'm not telling you this because I need anything. What does that mean? He was thanking the Philippian church for their financial support for his ministry. And he said, I'm not telling you, uh, I'm not thanking you for my needs that you've met because I need more. He said, I'm not telling you this because I need anything. I have learned, I have learned to be satisfied with the things I have and with everything that happens. I know how to live when I am poor, and I know how to live when I have plenty. I have learned, everybody say learn. This is what this month's about. The secret of being happy at any time in everything that happens, whether I have enough to eat and when I go hungry. 
When I have more than I need and when I do not have enough, I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. That doesn't mean punching the ball in the end zone from the red zone. That's not the application of this scripture. The application of this scripture is not for sports, although you can use it, uh, is for when you are living life. Whether it's good or bad. He found the key. He wasn't just thankful for the Philippian church. He was thankful for Jesus. Who will help me through anything. Living gratefully doesn't happen just in the snap of the finger. Especially if you're depressed. But studies have shown if you'll spend 15 minutes a day for six weeks, it will completely transform your mind and your behavior. What I'm not saying, by the way, is that you can't pour out your negativity to a friend. This is very critical. That's part of your emotional health, too. But you can't do that all day long, all week long, all month long, all year long, or you're not going to have any friends left because nobody's going to hang out with you. It's like a cesspool, you know, with it's like, like a pond that just gets nasty and, right, and all these nasty critters are flying around you, like pig pen with a blanket, for those of you that were born in 1900. The rest of you have no idea who pig pen is, and that's, just, that, that's sad. So here, here are three application points that I glanced over uh, before, and uh, I'm going, to hit him, I'm going to hit him with you now. We're going to come to a close, and, we're, and then we're going to receive communion because if there's anything to be thankful for. Okay, but here's three application points. Everybody, okay? If you want to have all the benefits of gratitude, which is what this sermon's called, the benefits of gratitude, you've got to participate. You've got to get in the game. You've got to play. You've got to do this. Number one, write your thoughts. Studies, look, a 2021 review of research finds that keeping a gratitude journal can cause a significant drop in uh, diastolic blood pressure. That's the force your heart exerts between beats. Having grateful thoughts, even if you don't write them down, just having grateful thoughts helps your heart by slowing and regulating your breathing to synchronize with your heartbeat. Isn't that incredible? They have found that if you will think positive thoughts, be thankful thoughts, and write down what you're thankful for, it literally slows down your heart rate. Do it in the a.m., do it in the p.m. Secondly, redirect your thoughts. When you're worrying about the past, remember what Paul said. One thing I do, forget about the past. When you're worrying about the future, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. There's enough trouble today. This one uh, friend of mine just sent this to me this week. She said, personally, in the middle of the night, when I'm struggling with my thoughts, I go through the alphabet and thank God for eternal blessings. Go through the alphabet. She says, A, I think about his accepting me. B, I think about the boldness he's given to me. C, uh, I think about being chosen by God. D, I think about his deliverance in my life. And she goes through the alphabet thanking God for these things. And the last thing is to share your thoughts. When you write, text, or call someone and tell them what you're thankful for about them, 
it not only boosts your serotonin and your dopamine, it not only affects you, you affect the other person. Now you're releasing gratitude to another person. And I'm telling you what that does. Look, in, 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 when people are dating, they're a little sickening, aren't they? They're like the puppy love. They're like gross to be around, right? They're like all these, all these like pet names for each other. And, and it's like, it's like they're, no, they're not living in reality, right? And then they get engaged, you know? And they sit here in church, and I can see they're engaged, and they're all snuggling next to each other. And then, you know, I perform their wedding, or someone else performs their wedding, and they go on their honeymoon. They come back, and they move in together. And then, about 30 days later, I see them in church, and they're doing this. It's true, right? Because reality has struck. we got to share the bed. we got to share the bathroom. You know, I, I'm an early riser, you're a late riser, you know, I'm a spender, you're a saver, I want kids, you don't, all that kind of stuff, right? It's like, and so it gets a little complicated. And what can happen is, at the beginning of the relationship, all you could see was positive. Even though everybody was warning you about the negatives, everybody could see but you. Then once you get married, if you're not careful, the things that you used to think were cute about your spouse become irritating. Uh-huh. <laughs> One of the ways to save your marriage and cause it to thrive and not just survive is to start being thankful for your spouse. Yeah, that was a freebie. Share your thoughts. Okay. All that's going to be very, very helpful. But I'll tell you this. People, places, things that we're thankful for are going to change. They're fickle. They're here today, gone tomorrow. But there's one thing that will never change. And that's the love of God for you. And this, Well, don't patty cake. I mean, if you're going to give God praise, go ahead. Come on. His love for you will never change. When everybody abandons you, Jesus won't. When people are speaking negative about you, Jesus will tell you something he loves about you. When people talk to you about your past, Jesus will talk to you about your future. This scripture we're going to use as we go into communion just blows my mind. Acts 20, 38. Take care and be on guard for yourselves and for the whole flock over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers. Watch this. Shepherd, tend, feed, and guide the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. God bought you with his own blood. The blood of his son, Jesus. Jesus had to die for you so you would not have to die for your own sins and be separated from God for all of eternity. So I want you to grab your uh, communion cup Ava, can you uh, toss me, uh, I don't don't think it's sacrilegious to toss communion. Here we go. All right, here we go. I'm going to give you 14 minutes to get the wafer out of this foil (laughs) wrapper. If you don't have uh, communion, the ushers will, uh, they're bringing a a basket around with the communion in it. Do you, this is so interesting. I dug this up this week. I did not know this. this is so interesting. The word give thanks. It's what Jesus did 
when there was a crowd of 5,000 people that he, they were going to starve. They had 5,000 plus, probably 20,000 people there with wives and children. And they had a few loaves of bread and a few fish. And they're like, how can we feed all these people? It says, Jesus says, bring the few fish and the few loaves to me. And it says he gave thanks. You know that word to give thanks there literally is uh, ecu- uh, eucharisteo. It's where we get the word eucharist from, which is what we call this, the eucharist, the body and blood of Jesus. The Greek word eucharisteo, youth or eucharist, literally means give thanks. It means to be grateful, to express gratitude, to be thankful. This word appears 39 times in the New Testament. Nine times it's related to taking the Lord's Supper. The rest of them are giving thanks to the Godhead. When Jesus passed out the bread and the fish to the multitudes, it says they all ate as much as they wanted. This is our God. This is our God. Okay, this is the, our God of abundance. He's not stingy. He's not critical. After it says everybody ate as much as they wanted of the bread and of the fish, it says there were 12 basketfuls left over. How many disciples did Jesus have? 12. So those who serve God get double blessed. And then he says, oh, by the way, this was just an illustration. I'm the bread of life. And if you come to me, you will experience abundance. But it's all wrapped up in the Eucharist. Give thanks. If we, no matter what's going on in your life, family of God, if we can stop and just give thanks to Jesus, thank you for your blood that washes away all my sins. Thank you for your body that you allowed to be slaughtered on the cross so that my life could be made whole. Thank you for fixing my relationship with God with your own life, Jesus. If nothing else in life is working out for you, this has. (laughs) If you give your life to Jesus. If you've never given your life to Jesus, before we take this communion, I want to give you the opportunity to do it right now. All you have to do right now in this moment, God's watching, God's listening, God loves you, He's reaching out to you right now. Just say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Just go ahead and say it to him right off your lips. Just let it roll off your lips. Jesus, I need you in my life. I need to know I'm right with God. I need a new start. I need my sins forgiven. And just pray this. Just say, Lord Jesus, I receive you right now as my Savior. Cleanse me of all of my sins. Renew my heart. I turn my life over to you completely right now. Make me new. And now ask him to do this. For those who just prayed that prayer, say, Lord Jesus, breathe your Holy Spirit into my soul and make me new. All right, let's take the bread and let's eat. let's take the this juice that represents the blood of Jesus and let's as the body come to Christ and drink together
to do something a little different in just a moment. But let's just sing to the Lord for a moment. Let's just be thankful to Him. I love you, Lord.
right, so here is what we're going to do a little different today. Nobody has to participate, but you're welcome. We have found over the years of doing church that when you do it in community, it is a billion times more powerful. And one of the things we have found um, helps propel people forward is sometimes uh, in our response time, which is what we call this time, about the next 15, 20 minutes, um, when we turn into small groups, little community groups, right here, and we have facilitators, and there's a, there's a few questions prompting about uh, how to be grateful in life. What works? What doesn't work? What have you found works? Some really good conversation starters for not the next 15 to 20 minutes. This can really help you move forward so much faster. We want to do this together. It's not an easy thing to change the way you think. It doesn't happen just like that. So we're going to do this all month long. And so... Um, if you're not comfortable with this, you're welcome to go out and grab a cup of coffee and kind of like slither away. No, I'm kidding. But I promise you, it's a little uncomfortable, but it will produce positive change. If you just try it, where we're going to turn into, we're going to turn our chairs into little small groups. We have different people that are going to come and facilitate. In fact, can I have the facilitators uh, just come up real quick so we know who you are? Okay, Stephanie's going to facilitate a group. Mark's going to facilitate a group. Gary's going to facilitate a group. Another Mark's going to facilitate a group. And David's going to facilitate a group. And so um, each one of these are going to disperse somewhere in the room. So you get a little room. And we're just going to turn the chairs for the next 15 or 20 minutes. They have questions that have been given to them to help prompt the conversation. We're just going to pray for one. We're going to talk. Then we're going to pray for one another. And then we'll be done. All right? So let's do it. Um, I emailed them to you last night. Check your email. They're there. Oh. Uh, okay, let me copy and text. <laughs> 